Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Shares for beginners. Weekend watch list. Welcome to this first episode of Weekend Watch List. It's designed to take a deep dive into a company and why it might be worth putting on your watch list. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way of learning how the experts go about screening for value. We're going to be talking with Michael D from Pythagoras Investing. G'day, Michael. How are you, Phil? Always good. And um, we're going to be talking about iron ore. It's not so much looking at an individual share or company. Really, it's looking at three companies, which is BHP, Rio, and Fortescue. So um, what is happening with iron ore prices at the moment? I believe we're um, skyrocketing. Absolutely. Iron ore prices have soared, and they're at an all-time high. Not that that's so important, but they're very, very strong. And that's brought a lot of support for the miners in this space. Now, you mentioned those three companies. The purest exposure to iron ore is Fortescue. The next purest is Rio, and the third is BHP. Now, there's a lot of other little players in this space, but these ones are by far and away the biggest and most important in our market. So what can you do with iron ore? Because it's great to say that the price is up. Uh, Iron ore is the major ingredient in steel. And lots of us think we know what steel's all about, but the most important thing about steel is building buildings, bridges, road, rail, infrastructure, um, and that's quite important for the world at the moment. So steel mills are the biggest buyers of iron ore, and demand for steel is very, very high, and that doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. Inventory of iron ore is very low, inventory of steel is really low, And there's a limited supply of new iron ore in the world. In fact, people are struggling to catch up or keep up. So the steel mill margins are really high. That means there's lots of fat in the system for paying extra for iron ore. And that's what's been happening. And so that's kept the price of iron ore high and probably will continue to keep it high. Now, who uses iron ore is the next question. And and if we think about it at a country level... It's particularly those countries who've got a need to industrialise and to grow their economy. And if you if you switched into this sector at all, you should be thinking China. And if you look at the worldwide market for steel mills, 10 of the 20 biggest steel mills are out of China. Phenomenal. But um, unsurprising. So... The next question becomes, why is the steel price so strong? And it is fundamentally that long-term urbanisation trend in China. There's just that much iron ore that needs to be produced into steel to, to build things. Absolutely. And so a lot of that production, a lot of that Chinese production goes into their domestic market and it's used for construction into uh, new cities and transport. And in actual fact, here's a couple of little things in the latest five-year plan that the Chinese government's put out. So this is really the edict or the business plan for the economy. There's 160 new airports to be built. 
there's 32,000 kilometres of high-speed railway. This is mind-boggling stuff. This is really, really big. And that's over the next dozen years. So you've got China's strength, the worldwide stimulus that's going on and spinning around the world in every economy within the world, and you've got that recovery into growth. So that's what's giving us confidence that there's a good, strong backdrop of demand in, in iron ore. We don't need prices this high. Uh, the profits that are coming out of these three big companies are phenomenal. Uh, the cash flows that are being produced are, are remarkable. And the dividends, indeed the special dividends that they can pay, are absolutely amazing. They've become an income stock, really, an income-generating stock. Like the banks just... of the past, Phil. Yes, yeah. It's, it's exactly right. Let me give you a few stats. This is based on 2021 uh, statistics that I've just scrounged off the internet for you. FMG, so Fortescue, which is the purest iron ore, the price earnings, which is the common, it's a bit of a lazy method of, of valuing. I'm sure your listeners would have known or would know about it. Its PE is 5.5 times. Now, to put that in perspective, the PE of a house would be between 30 and 40 times. So that makes housing very, very expensive to purchase. The stock market average is about 20, 21. So we're talking very, very cheap. The dividend yield on FMG alone is 14.5%. And I'm ignoring the split between specials and normal dividends. The fact is they paid it. It's a dividend. It's cash in your hand. Um, and that's also ignoring your franking credit as well. To step to the next one, and I understand podcasts, not, not, it's not a visual medium, but I'm just trying to step this through. Rio, the PE is 6.5, so a little bit higher than uh, FMG, but still not very high. Still a remarkable PE ratio. Sure is. This is one year out, and then dividend yield 12%. So again, phenomenal dividend. Then you go to BHP, which is the most diluted exposure to iron ore, and its PE is 10 and its dividend yield is eight. So these are really, really big. Okay, that sounds like a fantastic story, but of course, there's always risk, and we've always got to consider risk. What is the risk for the iron ore price and uh, the companies we've just spoken about? Sure. So with each risk comes opportunity, and, and so that's my starting point. Most of these risks... Although with each opportunity comes risk. Of course. <laughs> Most of these three risks that I'm going to highlight are pondered often, and that's important. So let's examine them, because I'm not saying that you should race out and buy each of these companies now. Yep, this is definitely not a recommendation to buy. This is just something we want you to have a put them on your watch list and consider them. Yep. And when you see these risks being trotted out and become important and affect the share price, that's when you start to think, wow, maybe this is the time for me. So the first major risk is, will China boycott? Australian iron ore. And this should be top of mind for everyone because they've done it to so many products. So being self-reliant on iron ore for China is actually a big problem because it buys 60% of its iron ore from Australia. Six zero, that's massive. But guess what? We sell 80% of our iron ore to China. So we're more dependent on them than they are on us, but only marginally. So there's no guarantee that they won't boycott iron ore from Australia. But if they want to industrialise, and they do, they don't have any other choice in the world at this point in time. So we believe that the threat of being boycotted in iron ore is very, very low. 
and therefore Australia will continue to supply even though these trade tensions are going to continue. So that's risk one. Risk two is China taking pollution seriously. Now to put that in perspective, that's never happened before. At the moment, they've taken one region and a number of companies who are heavy polluters and they've whacked them. Wants you to remember and keep the eye on the prize. China's very conscious of what it says and the effect of what it says. And it's got a vested interest in talking down the price of some of these commodities, including iron ore. The fact is they want to industrialise at the cheapest possible price. And therefore, they can't have the world being too strong or too weak. And they fell into this trap at the time of the GFC, where they never got to capitalise as much as they really wanted to. So my view is that pollution is a bit of a red herring. It shocked the world when they started to talk about it. It caused an effect, um, but it really hasn't followed through in any way, shape or form. But it will come up again as a discussion point, and it will come up again in the price. The third risk is a supply response. So an increase in supply from somewhere, maybe there's a magic wand waved and that comes out of places unknown. But um, in that case, isn't Brazil a large uh, producer of iron ore? They are. And about three years ago, they started to have very major production problems. They then had coronavirus interfere. They've actually got some very, very big problems that they have to overcome. At some point, they'll get that right. That doesn't look like it's anytime soon. And again, a risk will be that they start to talk about resupplying, um, but talking about it and actually resupplying are two different and separate ideas. To give you a further idea, Australia has been reinvesting in expanding or actually growing mines, but that's just to replace what's been dug out and sent off. It's not additional volume. And then really the third element is let's find a place on earth that has iron ore um, and go and mine there. And Africa is probably the last bastion of that. And it's one that's often talked about. But remember, these take years and they take billions and billions and billions of dollars. But if anyone can do it and if anyone's motivated to do it, it'll be China. But for now, that'll be talked about but the risk is very low that it's going to affect things uh, for several years to come. So in terms of the Pythagoras investing methodology, how is it showing up and um, how are you looking at the valuations that are currently um, in place for these companies? So we do things quite differently. What we're talking about here is fundamentals. And previously, people have relied on information that's been disclosed to the market. They do their analysis. They take into account these risks, these opportunities, and then they trade shares in response to that. What we do is use our own proprietary volatility measures and changes in volatility to predict what's coming up. So again, operating very differently and using maths. So you will often see us buying in the uncertain times and selling out when certainty returns. And, and therefore, what I'm saying here with these risks is be ready for when opportunity knocks. Our newest product, which is due for a release, has a 99% success rate. And that profits to the tune of 13% or a bit more in three to four months. And to give you an example, one of these iron ore majors has actually gone to a buy about four or five weeks ago. 
it's already showing um, north of a 10% profit. And when the sell comes, that'll be a quite a handsome profit. And it may just be that this whole sector starts to light up and um, we get stronger and stronger interest. For those who are interested in talking about it, given that we're price sensitive and time sensitive, I won't mention the stock, but for those who are interested in being in touch, I'm sure Phil will put my details um, in the podcast. In the episode notes. I certainly will. Thank you very much uh, for joining me today, Michael. That's a pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice, and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances, or current situation. 